You're listening to Radio Free Satan. Enjoy the show. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the United States Army Band playing the Star-Spangled Banner. My name is Jenny, I'm a sophomore, and this is for all three of you. Can you say why America is the greatest country in the world? Diversity and opportunity. Lewis? Uh, freedom and freedom. So let's keep it that way. Well, what about the people? Why is it not the greatest the country in the world, Professor? That's my answer. Sharon, the NEA is a loser. Yeah, it accounts for a penny out of our paycheck, but he gets to hit you with it anytime he wants. It doesn't cost money. It costs votes. It costs airtime and column inches. You know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. If liberals are so fucking smart, how come they lose so goddamn always? Hey. And with a straight face, you're going to tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yeah, you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. And one of them is there is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in median household income, number four in labor force, and number four in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are, without a doubt, a member of the worst period, generation period ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yosemite? Sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed, we cared about our neighbors. We put our money where our mouths were and we never beat our chest. We built 
great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. <clears throat> we were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. America is not the greatest country in the world. And I'm going to put in air quotes anymore. Qualifying that, you've heard me talk on this show um, all the time about uh, pride in my country and those who have sacrificed. That's all true. But I'm a realist. I'm a Satanist. And I understand what reality is and what a dream is. And that's probably why I'm a Satanist and I'm not, like, a Christian, because I understand what reality is. Uh, America's not the greatest country in the world. Point in fact, I don't think there is such a thing as the greatest country. I mean, it's something you give your parents on a mug. Greatest parent in the world. Uh, you buy your dad a t-shirt with it on Father's Day. On this Independence Day, which is three days from now, maybe we should stop standing on our toes and shouting to the skies as fireworks invented by the Chinese are busting overhead about how wonderful we are. And maybe we should just stop listening to the ridiculous Christian dogma about how the Founding Fathers are... are, are damn close to deities and, and the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution is the greatest thing in the entire world. Because it's not. Reality states that it is not. And as good or as bad as we are is our and our parents' fault. And I put us first for a reason. Because we make choices. We make decisions. And we have to own up to them. You're going to hear some air traffic going overhead because I have all of my windows open in, in this room. It's pretty damn hot. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. My name is Adam Campbell. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I do have a great show for you today, and today's episode is centered around... The Great Satan. This is my 4th of July Independence Day episode. And I did one last year. Speaking to the same thing, I'm going to go a little more in depth this year. So if you heard last year's and you think by skipping this year's you're not missing anything, you're wrong. I have a lot of information here today. Most of it is centered around the creation and ideology of America. And how that ties into why we're called why we are the great Satan. And then at the end of the show, I've been joined by Aaron, and I have a, a very fantastic new segment 
to present to you. Uh, right now, I'm wrapping it around the creature feature, but it will have its own intro and everything. So stick around for that. It's about music, and I think you're really going to like it. I At the end of last week's episode, uh, I, I pushed it out, got a lot of really great feedback. Um, uh, Magistra Peggy Nadramia and uh, Magister Joe Netherworld are uh, fantastic individuals, and I had a really great time talking to them. And I got uh, a message from a listener, and again, thank you for listening, stating that I was I was not a very pretentious Satanist. And at, initially, it's funny, because initially I was like, well, give me a chance, <laughs> because, because I can be pretentious if given the opportunity. And I've spoken to this in the past on these episode intros, because I'm always sort of at that edge of well, I, what I <laughs> what I think is is sort of ridiculous and funny is when uh, you know you have infernal greetings, brothers and sisters. It is I, Citizen Campbell, bringing you another devil's mind. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's that. Stepping beyond what is <laughs> real and just sort of creating this environment for you. And then there's there's shows on Radio Free Satan that do that tongue-in-cheek intended, and I, I love them for it. Uh, but I'm not one of those. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a realist. I'm a regular human being that's making his way in our world, and I have uh, commitments, responsibilities... And uh, I don't have time for, for real heavy drama, and, and uh, I definitely don't have time for pretentiousness. So if, if you tune in to me for that, well, I'm sorry. This is not going to be the gothic Satanist candles lit, bedroom lights turned down, and a fabric banner of the sigil of Baphomet standing behind me. That's not what this show is about. And for everyone who does continue to listen, thank you very much. I do truly appreciate it. Uh... So, uh, thank you for saying that I'm not <laughs> the most <laughs> pretentious Satanist. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I, I, and it's funny, because everything is in degrees. Everything's varying degrees um, of understanding, of expression, of being. Uh, I feel like, at times, I am quite pretentious. It's nice to know that I'm not... I, and, and this almost sounds like there's a contest. Like, like, I'm not the most pretentious? I don't know. It's not like that's something I'm striving for. It's certainly not. I, 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 I'd like to consider what I do of worth and those that listen to it finding worth in it or at least some semblance of value. And if not, well, then you won't listen, I think. So, <laughs> uh, I have an audience and I love you for it. So, let's start off with the great Satan. Pretentiousness aside, we're going to dive right into this. Um... And I think it's important to know, I mean, we have this sort of idea of what America is, and, and it, partially if you were in the United States because of your poor education, and, and if you're outside of the United States because of your poor education <laughs> about us, we, uh, <laughs> and, and here's sort of the funny thing, uh, I, I would make an argument that after the mm, early 60s, we stopped being in a, a nation of a, a culmination of peoples of, of immigrants, and we started being a nation um, proud of themselves. And I think the victory of World War II had a lot to do with that, understandably. 
I'm going to walk you through a couple scenarios that predate that by hundreds of years. And we're going to talk about the beginning of the United States. And I'm not going to do any drop intros here because this is where I'd normally have like the devil's advocate and simultaneously the infernal informant because this is a little bit of both. Uh, I think the intro that I had of the Star Spangled Banner and then shortly thereafter uh, a clip from the opening um, scene of a new HBO drama called Newsroom did justice to what we needed to sort of set this episode up. Uh, Newsroom Newsroom is on Sunday nights at HBO. Check it out. Uh, the very first episode is, is free for streaming viewing, and it really, that dialogue is perfect because it, it speaks perfectly to what I am going to be speaking to tonight. Um, in modern terms, and I'm going to sort of talk about the historical uh, terms of, of where we uh, come from here. All right, so the United States of America. Um, yeah, at one time, we... Uh, we were not America. There was no America, and we lived in Europe. And most of us, uh, most of our ancestry, I would say, uh, Anglo, we're going to just go ahead and boil it down for this discussion, um, saying that we're from Britain, Great Britain. Uh, it, it simplifies things. So it, we have to sort of put ourselves in where Britain, or, or just Europe, was. We sort of put ourselves in their shoes. Plagues, poverty perpetual war, famine, religious persecution, and land shortages. And all of that was a daily... something you had to live with, a a status. You had to deal with, you were born a certain status, and you would die that same status. America, the new world, offered infinite possibilities. And that is what America was born into. The idea of a fresh start. Clean slate. Brand new ideas where a man can make a name for himself uh, off the sweat of his own brow. And all it took was a ten-week voyage to the New World. Ten weeks Jamestown was the very first permanent English settlement, and that was in 1607. Uh, Around 1610, the the winter hit hard, and they started to starve. Members of that Jamestown community decided that survival was more important than uh, affiliation with a town, with the community, and fled to the local Indian population for survival, because even if they were captured by the Indians as aggressors, for example, they would still be fed. Meanwhile, in Jamestown, they were starving to death. So, when the governor of Jamestown reached out to the local Indian chief, uh, Powhatan, to return the deserters, and Powhatan's reply was an abject refusal... The American interaction with Indians was sealed. How could Anglos accept a rejection of the returning of deserters? We would have to punish not only those deserters, but the Indian tribes that harbored them. And that's what we did. We raided the Indians' villages. We stole their queen. We took their children, rowed them out to sea. We threw the children into the ocean, 
drowning them. We murdered the queen of this Indian tribe, dumping children overboard because they wouldn't return our deserters because they wanted to live. That's America. That sums it all up. We do not do things because of a moral high ground, like the tail end of that um, uh, clip of the show stated. We do not do things because it's for the greater good. No. We do things because they were in our best interest at the time, made by judgments of fallible leaders that we allowed to control us. That's the America that we are so used to. Blindly following the dictates of a probably imbecilic human being. If that's even a a descriptor. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm coming from. Okay, so the final straw between Great Britain and the colonies that were so honoring the British tradition (laughs) of... Uh, what, murder, assassination? Um, it was taxation without representation. And I can't help but think, at some level, that's a pile of bullshit as well. I mean, let's just say that these early colonies, they fought off Indians, they established 13 realms for themselves and these leaders of these local areas. Um... Well, you get drunk with power, and you want control. And you have someone ten weeks across an open sea telling you how to run things. Well, it's not a stretch of the imagination to think that they would look for any excuse. Now, I'm not saying that history is written incorrectly. I'm just saying that maybe tea... (laughs) Maybe taxation without representation isn't really the biggest reason. That's not really the important part, though. The important part is that we declared our independence. Thus began our Revolutionary War. Eight years. Eight years of a revolution. Could you imagine that nowadays? Really? The Egyptians pushed out Mubarak last year. Now they just had democratic reform, and it was like this big hullabaloo. And this is like a big deal. <laughs> there have been limited casualties. Alright, so so this is why I look at, at the Middle East and scoff. I pfuh <laughs> their struggles, because uh, not that big of a deal in comparison. Just saying. Alright, so this isn't a pissing contest, but it is to say that when you are struggling against authority, maybe it's going to take a little bit longer than you plan. It's not going to just be your weekend. (laughs) You're going to have to reschedule. Alright, so uh, eight years of a brutal revolutionary war that we would not have won had it not been for France. Um, Thank you, France. (laughs) It's funny because in years to come, we're going to hate you for no reason at all, but we will. Uh, But until that point, thank you very much for our independence. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm a fan of the Statue of Liberty, by the way. We had to define ourselves as an early nation. I mean, we had defined ourselves on the coast of the, the continent, for sure, but there was still an undiscovered 
massive land between the other shore of the continent. Uh, other uh, other countries were involved in claiming land. And there was this little uh, issue of, well, let's just say trade with our uh, old friends and some new allies of Europe. So we had to send our ships as an early nation um, into the Mediterranean to trade, just to do business so that we could stay afloat. The bad part of that is that the uh, Barbary pirates ran that territory. Yeah, piracy. It was live and well in uh, 1801. When Thomas Jefferson... And and what we did was we fell under France's um, uh, payment of, of passage up until the point that they cut us off. And they said, you know what, Barbary Pirates? Uh, America's not with us anymore. Uh, let's just be honest. And then we had to <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, we had to play our hand in essence. I mean, no one's going to take us seriously on the world stage if we're going to bow down to pirates like everyone else is. We just stood up against Britain a number of years back, so why couldn't we just take care of these pirates? Well, almost 15 years, and we forced them into a treaty. We refused to pay the toll. They assaulted our ships. They took hostages. We paid the ransom to get the hostages back, and ultimately, we just went to war with the pirates, and we we beat them. We uh, <laughs> refused outright refused any type of toll and uh, signed a treaty with the pirates and uh, that was when the world first realized that we were not a one-hit wonder as Americans that the the rules that applied to everyone else in the world did not apply to America that's also another important point I mean we're called the great Satan because we do what we want what is in our best interest we did it from the beginning of first stepping shores in Jamestown and now we're doing it telling the rest of the uh, of, of the cultures of the world stand back hold on hold on take a step back I'm taking care of this problem <laughs> and we do it time and time again we flexed our muscles in 1806, Captain Z.M. Pike and a platoon of troops invaded Spanish territory in Mexico at the headwaters of the Rio Grande. In 1812, to prevent occupation by other powers, President Madsen and Congress authorized temporary possession of Amelia Island in Spanish territory, East Florida. General George Matthews gathered a band of adventurers at St. Mary's, Georgia, and invaded the island, capturing the port of Fernandina. I'm sorry, Fernandina. Upon their arrival, they reported a manifesto and raised a flag uh, with the Latin inscription, The Safety of the People, the Supreme Law. Matthews' means of inquiring possession were brutal, and the action was later disavowed by Madison. In 1813, in April, on authority given by Congress, General Wilkinson seized Mobile Bay in Spanish territory, West Florida. A small Spanish garrison was overwhelmed and surrendered without a fight. In 1813, U.S. forces built a fort on Nuka Hiva, in the uh, Marguesas Islands to protect three ships cap captured from Britain. 
Four American soldiers were killed while defending it over the next year. 1814, General Andrew Jackson took Pensacola in Spanish territory, Florida, and drove out the British, who were at war with the U.S. 1816, U.S. forces destroyed the Nicholas Fort in Spanish territory, Florida, the base for bandits that had raided American territory. 1817, President Monroe ordered U.S. forces to land and expel smugglers and adventurers from Amelia Island in Spanish territory, Florida. 1816 to 1818, the Seminole Indians, whose land was a sanctuary for escaped slaves and border ruffians, were attacked by troops under Generals Jackson and Gaines and pursued into northern Florida Spanish territory. In the process, the Americans occupied Spanish posts and executed British citizens. In 1821, La Florida was sold by Spain to America for $5 million. The territory's first governor, General Jackson, declared its 7,000 Seminole Indians a handicap to Florida's development and attacked, driving the Seminoles further south to survive. 1824, Commodore David Porter and a landing party of 200 attacked the town of Fajarado in Spanish territory Puerto Rico, which had sheltered pirates and insulted American naval officers. He landed in November and forced an apology. Commodore Porter was later court-martialed for overstepping his powers. That's America. That's the great Satan. This carries through till today. We don't care about borders. We don't care about established laws or treaties. We do what we need to do because it's in our self-interest and it serves our ultimate goal. We wanted this landmass that is America. Manifest destiny. It is ours by right. Because, uh, what? Poseidon didn't sink us on that ten-week journey? <laughs> this is who Americans are. We are not Bible-thumping, preacher-adoring, hands-to-the-sky-praying-for-Jesus. That's not who we are. That's not who we've ever been. Look at history. All right, there's more. Between 1812 and 1815, the U.S. declared war with the U.K. Uh, The U.S. pushed against the U.K. up in the Canadian border, and Britain pushed right back. They came as far south as D.C. and burned it to the ground. Point in fact, they burned down the president's house. And in order to hide it, because we have to, you know, save face, they painted it white. Hence the term White House. Um, That war ended in a stalemate. However, there's one great thing that came out of that, and that's Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture, his best-known piece, and the same song that's running in the background of this rant. Manifest Destiny obvious or undeniable fate led the U.S. to claim the whole continent, going to war with Mexico and invading their country in search of criminals and cattle and whatever else we wanted to do. In the early 19th century, it gave way to the Monroe Doctrine, stating in 1823 that America was the protector of all independent nations in the Western Hemisphere and that we would remain neutral in all European conflicts. Every single one. 
1822-1825, U.S. forces made numerous landings in Cuba in the pursuit of pirates. In March 1825, cooperating U.S. and British forces landed at Segua La Grande to capture pirates. Marines landed again that October. 1833, a force was sent ashore to Buenos Aires, Argentina, for two weeks to protect American interests during an insurrection. 1835, Marines protected American interests in Calao and Lima, Peru, during an attempt at a revolution, and returned for the same reason the following year. 1852, Marines landed in Buenos Aires, Argentina, to protect American interests during a revolution. They returned in April 1853. In 1853, U.S. forces landed in Nicaragua to protect American lives and interests during a period of political instability. 1854, naval forces bombed and burned San Juan del Norte, Nicaragua, to avenge an insult to the American minister to Nicaragua. He had been wounded by a missile thrown by a mob that was trying to arrest him. The townspeople refused to apologize. I think we can all agree that's a fantastic reason to bomb them. 1855, U.S. and European naval forces landed to protect American interests during an attempted revolution in Montevideo, Uruguay. 1856 is the first of five interventions in Panama. U.S. forces landed in September in the Republic of New Grenada to protect the, to protect the Atlantic Pacific Railroad from nationalists. 1857, aided by the Marines, Commander C.H. Davis of the U.S. Navy, received the surrender of William Walker, a failed, plagued American filibuster, who had proclaimed himself president of Nicaragua in 1855 and had instituted forced labor and legalized slavery. He had set out from America with hundreds of men and the sponsorship of the Knights of the Golden Circle, a U.S. group that promoted slavery. In 1855, the USS Saratoga, Wabash, and Fulton had opposed an earlier attempt of Walker's on Nicaragua. The removal of Walker to America was tactically disavowed by the Secretary of State, Louis Cass, because of the questionable legality of seizing an American national on neutral land. Walker's rule over Nicaragua included a brief war with Costa Rica, which he lost. The battle lasted 14 minutes. 1858, forces from two U.S. warships landed against the Montevideo, Uruguay, to, I'm probably like ruining these names here, uh, to protect American lives and property during a revolution. 1860, U.S. troops landed in the Bay of Panama, Colombia, to safeguard American interests during a period of political instability. In 1867, Marines occupied Managua and Leon in Nicaragua. We have never, never had a time of peace and prosperity in our history. Our entire economy is based on debt and war. Period. Without debt, European banks would never have loaned us money when we were a struggling nation trying to stand on our own two feet, trying to build our own ships. Without war, we would never have a thriving economy, anything to offer the rest of the world. And to be pragmatic, the Monroe Doctrine was more like, a, a little bit less of protecting the local uh, countries in the Western Hemisphere, independent nations, and more of defining borders for, our, for uh, the stretching of our influence. And we had to be realists. We couldn't overstretch ourselves into Europe, at least not yet. Um, we have since. <laughs> You're welcome. I love this country. I love the fearlessness the audacity of this country. I honor the sacrifices made by its members. 
But we cannot kid ourselves into thinking that we are the greatest nation on earth or even the best right now because we're not. And we've never been. We do what we do because of our own self-interest. I said it before, I'm going to say it again. We do what we do because we are the great Satan. And we don't care about the natives. We don't care about the nationals of whatever country we invade. Because we're not there for them and we never have been. We stretch our wings and our shadow drapes over the world. And even today, even today the world quivers. I find a little bit of pride in that. I do. That may, may, may make me a bad person. It may make me a self-interested asshole. But, hey, I'm American. <laughs> it's in our blood. Thank you for sitting through that. Um, a little bit of history. A little bit of, a lot of bit of a ten, <laughs> just a opinion. Let's go ahead and move over to the creature feature. And uh, ease our way into this new segment, shall we? I am Matt, host of Deep Six Radio. And I am in Russ. Yes, we are. So if you want to be one of the six taking on the oh-so-lovely Idris and want to be featured on the show... Send your emails... And MP3s... To us at... Deep6... At RadioFreeSatan.com Include a bio... And anything you want mentioning on air... We are open to any genre... Apart from rap... Deep6 also includes a fine selection of alternative rock... As well as multiple other genres... So why not jump on the roller coaster? That is Deep6 Radio... Deep6 is available on... RadioFreeSatan.com And also iTunes... A week later, we, we look, look forward, forward to, to you joining us. us. End of the line. You know, dogs are different than cats. And hey, what if Jack Nicholson were? Hey, what if we are the world was sung by the cast of Friends? I think it might go something like this. Hi, everyone. I'm Jay Leno. Anyone remember when I was funny? Eat Doritos. Ladies and gentlemen, Dane Cook. Are you fed up with comedy that's made for the masses? Sick of stand-up comedian hacks with the same old routines that you've heard a thousand times before? Equally tired of shock jocks who equate loudness with laughter? Hello, my name is Reverend Bill M., creator and host of The Devil's Mischief, a show where every week I present a new hour of comedy and novelty of devilish proportions. So tune in to The Devil's Mischief. Visit devilsmischief.com or radiofreesatan.com download the latest podcast The Devil's Mischief Carnal Comedy Clips and Netherworld Novelty Numbers Simply Not Made for the Masses Hello, my name's Dave Ingram and I'm Donovan 
And we are Metal Breakfast Radio. Inviting you to join us with a few beers each week. For a dose of metal scrutiny. Some verbal skullduggery. And a hell of a lot of rubbish. Rubbish! Find us on metalbreakfastradio.com, darksentinel.dk, and radiofreesatan.com. Creature feature. Today I'm being joined by Aaron, and we are going to be doing a little bit different of a segment. We're going to switch it up a little bit here. We're going to be featuring a new segment that I I don't know if ultimately it'll break away from Creature Feature or if it just comfortably fits within the the framework of Creature Feature. But this is going to be called Down to the Crossroads. And in the hopefully months to come of doing this, we will work out uh, an intro um, and. Uh, maybe solidify the format a little bit but essentially what I've done is been really impressed with Aaron's musical tastes and before I introduce her to you all, uh, just giving you a little bit of background here uh, I asked her to come on and share that with you some of uh, the music she finds influential some of the music she finds exciting so Aaron, thank you so much for joining me, how are you tonight? I'm great, thanks for having me uh, it's truly a pleasure on my part. Uh, first of all, let's do a little bit of an intro here for the audience. Um, what is the uh, what's this passion you have for for I don't know, and I wouldn't even call it all obscure music, but certainly some uh, more hidden gems of uh, uh-huh. music. Well, I just love music so much that you know you can only listen to so much mainstream music before you start finding more music. I mean, I'm always I'm the kind of person to just you know, dig a little deeper than I think most people do. And, you know, I started working at a record store at a pretty young age, and that's the best way to do it. I mean, if you can get a job at a record store, I don't know if they're even going to have record stores for much longer. But (laughs) when I was 19, they were still going pretty strong, I guess. And uh, I was really fortunate to to fall in with a good crowd there and, you know, listen to music all the time. And you're just bound to come across crazy stuff and, you know, everybody's got their own taste, and everybody's going to introduce you to something new, and it's just, you know, that's where it started, and it just never stopped. That's great. Hi. Uh, do you mind if I ask you um, a little bit here before we dive into some of the tunes? Uh, what's this, the format that you see this uh, segment, Down to the Crossroads, falling into? Well, I think I'd like to play a few songs, you know, with a loose theme to them. Maybe three songs probably is a good limit i don't take up your whole show with my music and um you know give them a loose theme and i'll you know introduce them and tie them all together and then we'll play them and we'll talk about them (laughs) (laughs) i love it okay and uh maybe just as an aside you uh you follow the left-hand path what what started you down that road uh probably a pretty typical story you know i've always i probably you know found the satanic bible probably when i was 15 or 16, and, you know, it was just a, 
a curious thing, but, you know, it was interesting. I've always sort of been, like I said, trying to dig a little deeper. Um, I wasn't really raised religious, so I had a, you know, I had a pretty open mind from a young age. And finally, I was, I guess I was around 19, 18 or 19, and I met a um, Church of Satan member, and, you know, he just opened up the world to me. Wow. <laughs> you know, and I've just, it's been a, you know, interest of mine since then. Nice. Yeah, and actually, that's that's how uh, you and I have met through a mutual that's friend. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the uh, very same friend, indeed. Oh, very nice. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, okay. Well, hey, I, I'm really excited to hear what you have for us this week. Uh, please. All right. Well, I thought at least for the first time I would try to focus pretty heavily on this whole um, selling your soul to the devil notion that people talk about um, in all kinds of music, but I think it's I think it's taken hold in blues music, especially because blues musicians actually sort of embraced the idea, and they weren't, you know, call rock and roll the devil's music, but they never really embraced it the way these blues musicians did, and um, the first song I wanted to talk about was, it's called Devil in the Lion's Den, and I think, you know, there's a, a notion that you and probably a lot of your listeners can relate to is that in a lot of these blues songs, the devil is just a metaphor, you know. Mm. They're not talking about the the red, you know, horny devil that that the Christians usually talk about. You know, it's just a metaphor. You know, sometimes it's a mean-hearted woman or a whip-cracking boss or just the evils of the world. But um, So in this first song, The Devil in the Lion's Den, this, is the, this guy's name, Sam Collins, and I don't think he's very well known. Um, you know, there's a lot of big blues musicians that everybody knows, but not many people have heard of this guy. And they call him Crying Sam Collins because of the way he sings. And he's he's one of those. You know, a lot of these blues musicians have uh, a legend attached to him. This guy just had a bunch of different names he used to perform under, like Jelly Roll Hunter and <laughs> Big Boy Woods and. Salty Dog Sam. So this nice. guy, he, yeah, he was born in 1887 in Louisiana, and um, he's got this crazy high falsetto singing. And in in this song, uh, he's sort of the devil. You know, he plays the role of the devil. So uh, this is uh, Crying Sam Collins and his git fiddle. Nice. My mama It's a nice touch. <laughs> and it's actually the best recording I can find. All the pops and kisses like a record player. Yeah. He's got a great, um, you know, slide guitar technique. Okay, so I'm, I'm sitting here with some uh, 
black and rum, and just uh, like just sitting in ice and I'm, I'm sort of just transporting myself back in time with the sun. Isn't it perfect? Yeah. I got like a devil. This song is great. It's full of um, like braggadocio. He's just talking about how you know. He, He's just, you know, he's the greatest guy in the world. He's, he's just hanging out in the lion's den. Cool as can be. <laughs> There's a woman in the store that's begging him to stay, and he says, Nah, lady, I gotta go. I get rambling. Let me tell you, mama, what you said last night. Lay down on my face, there's so much more emotion in music like this, in my opinion, than anything that's on the fucking radio nowadays. It's just one guy, uh, his fucking guitar, it's, you know, sometimes you're going to have someone in backup, but it's, it's really intimate, it's really personal, and it's just, just outpouring of emotion. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I was talking about the bragging earlier, you know, a, a correlation could be made with, like, rap music of today, where, you know, it's all about, like, all the, you know, women you can have sex with, and all the money you have, and all the car you have, but it's a different sort of bragging, you know, it's just like, I'm a devil in a lion's den, you know, it's just great, it's such a powerful idea in that song. So do you think uh, the lion's den is, is uh, a connection to some... Uh, like, like religious thing, or, or is it just to put him in a, a difficult position or something? Yeah, you know, it, it, that's open to interpretation. I think he must have had that in mind. I mean, that whole idea of like um, the circus Maximus, you know, and the Christ, you know, the being fed to the lions, and he just he's just untouchable in this, you know, arena. Or you know, or it could just be, you know, the, the, this relationship with this woman is a lion's den, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It could be anything, but I think, yeah, that's, you know, that's what's great about it. Yeah, I think I like the latter a little bit better, where it's yeah. <laughs> his wife is the line. Probably so. <laughs> so that's that one. What'd you think? I love it. I, I, yeah. I think it's great. I, I, I like the, the, the voice on it is great. One thing that I, I, I don't know, in a lot of uh, blues that I hear nowadays that I'm, I'm sort of turned off to, and maybe just desensitized to is is when they they try to you know uh, call back to some earlier he- blues heroes and they try to keep it all deep and down and you know uh-huh. they're like trying to evoke uh, like a parody of blues rather than just actually just being themselves in the blues. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's hard to recreate now. I don't listen to a lot of new blues music just because it's turned into something completely different, you know. And I don't want to. Um, you know, start placing blame on that. But I think when you started, like, with this wailing, you know, electric guitars, that's kind of when I stopped needing the blues at that mm-hmm. point. When it's sort of just posturing and silly, you know, I don't, I'm not interested in that that much. Yeah, there's this huge resurgence, um, at least where I lived in the area um, in the 90s, mm-hmm. where it was just this uh, sort of Chicago blues, B.B. Yeah. B. King, you know, revival of yeah, blues and I, I think bands like uh, Dave Matthews, who I think is wildly overrated. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it, you know, is just uh, sort of 
I don't know that the, that audience, Dave Matthews' audience, sort of picked up the blues and, and sort of started running with it, and in my opinion, really shit on <laughs> what it <laughs> meant into the ground. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of blues music, especially yeah, in the '90s and stuff, it was just bar. You know, it was sort of relegated to to bar music, where it's just white dudes playing bad harmonica, playing these same you know three chords and. You know, it, it, just all the soul was sort of taken out of it, and it's just pe- basically cover bands of, you know, music that maybe was good. But, you know, that's one of the things about the blues that is kind of cool, is that it was sort of, the Im- you could see the influences of just, like, artists that were just two or three years apart. You know, you would see, like, um, you know, Lightning Hopkins even was little later in the blues but you could see him doing all the old songs and just putting his special twist on them you know it's really kind of cool but yeah that the chicago blue stuff i'm not that interested in <laughs> yeah well um i'm looking at the little uh, track list here and i'm i'm really excited for this next one oh, yeah? uh, this is actually has a connection with uh darren deicide and i where oh. um he, uh, he and i decided to start collaborating on a version of this song Oh, yeah. Um, the Skip James, uh, Devil Got My Woman. Yeah. So uh, you want to take that one away? Cool. Well, this, yeah, Skip James, he's another sort of Delta, you know, pre-war blues. I'm not going to stray too far from that right now. So, uh, but, you know, Skip James, he's known for that sort of plaintive, wailing voice that he's got in this, you know, he's got a great intricate finger-picking style. And so, yeah. And this one, the devil is also sort of less of a metaphor, and it's, it's kind of a... Literal, because it's you know about his woman is just sort of this, you know. Maybe you know the woman is a little bit of a devil, but she's definitely been turned <laughs> to the dark. You know, he's just you know it's another one of those, you know, bitches. <laughs> so here we go. I'll just play it. Yeah, uh, "Devil Got My Woman" by Skip James. As an aside during the intro, um, Darren oh, decides on tour right now right. doing his version of This Lives. Oh, yeah? Can you hear that all right? Yeah, yeah. I, I love this intro. Yeah, it's that finger is great. And he just takes it with that voice. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> So yeah, he opens up, says, I'd rather be the devil to be that woman, man. Just like, <laughs> this woman's driving me crazy. <laughs> But I think that this this song is sort of just has a sort of irony that not a lot of blues songs have. Because you know he talks about he took this woman away from his best friend, and that's the whole deal. Is he stole this woman from his best friend, and then his best friend stole her back, and he's like, "Well, you can have her, man." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God, I can watch. 
God, this shit moves me. So, uh, just, just, just listening to this, it, it really takes you back. And I have to call back. I mentioned a lot briefly in the, the first track you played here, uh, "Devil Lies Down." But music like this, I mean, it speaks. It really has the capacity of taking you back. And, and really, I mean, if you ever read the Satanic Scriptures, um, Peter H. Gilmore has a really great article on time travel and, and music like this. I mean, it's got to be your cup of tea, but it can really yeah, yeah. transport you. And in fact, do the damn heat wave in my house right now. It's, <laughs> I feel like yeah. it is taking me back. Oh, I know. I'm sweating. I just put my hair up because it's just hot. Yeah, it takes you. It feels like I'm hanging out. Mississippi Delta. <laughs> yeah, I was actually. Um, I mean, right now we're we're doing this via Skype, and uh, I'm, I'm looking at a still photo of you. So I, I was gonna open up my video, but there's no way because it's so hot in here. I have to have like I like take my shirt off and just dripping with sweat, all gross and funky. It's a good yeah. thing there's no smell associated with Skype. <laughs> You're a bad thing. Well, yeah, I, I'm telling you, we uh we had some powerful storms, and it's. Our power was out for a while, and it was we were it was like a swamp in here. But <laughs> we're much better now. So that was Skip James. Hell yeah! I don't know what else to say about the man, but yeah, he. There's no that song particularly takes you somewhere else. You know, you can just I just start rocking, and <laughs> I mean, I just <laughs> just forget about everything but that voice and that guitar picking. Absolutely. All right. Well, so. Finally, this is the last song I'm going to play for you. Right. This this is Robert Johnson, and I think pretty much everybody who even has a casual uh, relationship with the blues knows who Robert Johnson is. Mm-hmm. He's the king of the Delta blues. And um, well, what to say about this? This is I'm going to play uh, "Me and the Devil Blues." And Robert Johnson's a fascinating guy. You know, he was he's you know the legend when it comes to going down to the crossroads and selling your soul to the devil so that you have this amazing voice and guitar ability and he definitely just he's got these have you ever seen that really iconic picture of him where he's got the cigarette coming out and his hands on the guitar and like our crumb did an illustration of it it's amazing if you ever get a look at it just take a look at this guy's fingers on the fretboard of his guitar yeah. and it's like a, he's got these spider like fingers that you can just imagine you know just spanning the fretboard like they're possessed you know and so yeah he, he definitely and this you know he definitely played played up that that legend of you know selling his soul and you know he was dead by the age of 27 uh you know poisoned by a jealous lover and uh, you know his career really brief, and he had only he only had two recording sessions in his whole life. But I mean, he, if you say Robert Johnson, just about everybody's going to know who you're talking about. So that it speaks to this man's sort of you know the possession that he had over his own story and his his you know you're just everybody knows him and knows the the legend behind him. Most people yeah. imagine, but yeah. So this is you know this is sort of his ode to that time (laughs) that legend of his so I'm gonna go ahead and play this here we go got a little silence at the beginning but it's playing (laughs) 
upon my dough. It brings a fucking smile. Oh, <laughs> well, Robert Johnson has a special place in my heart. Like I said, I, 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 don't, I don't remember if I did you know it or not, but when I was 13, I found my father's Robert Johnson box set that he had. You know, two discs, you know, complete discography. And, and that, and my father's Billie Holiday box I believe all I listened to when I was 13. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I can't even imagine what about this music at that time as a 13-year-old gr- girl living in New Hampshire. Like, what could I possibly have gotten from this music at that time? I don't know what it was, but it, whatever it was, it never let go. I've been listening to Robert Johnson you know, for what something years. And it never the joy that I get from this never goes away. And, I'm going to be my <laughs> and there are plenty of other blues you know Until musicians out there that are just as good, if not better, than Robert Johnson, but obviously, you know, something about him grabs people. You definitely grabbed mine. <laughs> I love those little sides he's got too. Yeah. What's amazing about this? I mean, he's, he's young. I mean, he's, he's really fucking young, and so he hasn't. Maybe it's a symptom of our time in that we stay. I'm getting a little bit of feedback here. We stay a little bit infantile in our growth, maybe more than than they did back then. Uh, we're just coddled a lot more, I think. But. but you know, there's this, this, this essence of, of pain Babe, that comes through, or, or uh, I don't know, uh, yearning. You may be my I don't think a modern-day 20-year-old is going to have. Oh, <laughs> even, you know, even a young black man in Mississippi, there's no way he relates to this any more than I do. You know? Like, times are just different. I mean, currently, you know. So, yeah, I mean, 27 when he died, so he did all of this in his, you know, 20s, which I can't, I can't even imagine. But yeah, yeah when he does that sort of howl, like it's just sound, you know, it's just like a cry of an animal. Uh, so there you go. That's my stuff. Oh, that's oh. awesome. Well, well, thank you so much. That that was a lot well, of fun. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm really excited to see what else you got to bring to the table. Um, everyone, that was uh, Aaron with Down to the Crossroads. Uh, look forward to uh, again sometime. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll come out with, uh, you know, uh, every first or first and third week of the month or something like that and, and have that end up working maybe. Um, and, Sure. Yeah, and, and yeah. there's definitely going to be some sound issues. Like right now, I can I can hear myself through your speakers, so we'll have to work out little things like that. Thank you for joining me, Aaron. Thanks, Adam. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. All right, so that was cut off a little bit quick there. Um, we had a lot to edit through there. I tried to amplify the music by grabbing the the same track. In that last case, the. You know, and you sort of see this with a lot of musicians is that they'll record ver- and old school musicians uh, quality in my opinion musicians they'll record songs but I mean it's the same song but they sort of do a different take on it um, and, and they do this so many times that there's you know multiple versions of, of each one of their songs floating around um, the timing on the one that I was using to amplify the sound was not the same as the one that was playing um, in the background. So, 
you know that that was a little odd there we developed this really weird echo which was really sort of uh not good at all <laughs> but i think the segment is going to be able to stand on its own merit and uh I, I think she would be able to take it into her own show if she was so inclined uh, she has such a great passion for the music and uh the music is so damn good um oh, i just love those three songs that she featured all right so that's uh that's the new segment. Let me know what you think. Info at 9centspodcast.com or reach out to me at the uh, social networking sites. Facebook, Google+, Twitter, MySpace, uh, SatanNet. Uh, let us know. And you know what? Uh, reach out to Erin uh, in those same areas and uh, you know tell her what a good job she did and you know what you'd like to see or hear or you know, just your thoughts on the whole process. Uh, and you know what? That's going to do it for another show. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this was a little bit disjointed. This was a little bit stranger than the regular shows. I really wanted to hype up that sort of Great Satan, the birth of the Great Satan segment at the very beginning, and I hope it it worked. Um, I never really know until I've already like made the <laughs> the podcast, sent it out there, and then listened to it the next uh, day or so, whether it really did work or not. But um, I'm I'm hoping it'll work. <laughs> uh, let me know, you know, if it didn't. I'd appreciate it. And also, I wanted to touch on, before I, I head out here, Old Nick Magazine. Go to oldnickmagazine.com, check out their uh, newest issue. It is the uh, Hot as Hell Summer issue. So, uh, it, it's definitely worth a, a look. Old Nick Magazine is a quality uh, adult, gentleman's magazine. It's not a porn mag or anything like that. So, uh, you know, you can have it sent to your house without... Uh, Mommy dearest getting upset. <laughs> Mommy dearest, uh, you know what? It could be your girlfriend or your wife or whatever. <laughs> All right. So, like I said before, that's going to do it for another show. Yeah. Oh, I hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the SatanNet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. You can also subscribe via iTunes by searching 9 cents and don't forget to leave a rating or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit ChurchOfSatan.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit RadioFreeSatan.com, an online streaming radio station. Oh, and I almost forgot. The new episode of Stay Down Here is out. That's right. Kevin I. Slaughter put out another Stay Down Here. It, this one, uh, his production value is really going through the roof. Uh, really good. Talks about the Los Escritores Satanicus and uh, a lot of other things, like uh, little video tips and tricks. So check it out. It's definitely worth a look. And you can get to that uh, underworldamusements.net or uh, go to uh, YouTube and you'll see it plastered all over there. And once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I am your host, Adam Campbell. And until next week, hail Satan.